0: I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head-on. Welcome to another episode of Predicting the Turn. Today, we sit down with Todd Leff, who is the CEO of Hand & Stone Massage and Facial Spa. Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks. Appreciate it, Dave. Well, I want to start in with the, uh, the story of Hand & Stone for folks that might not be familiar with the company. Can you talk about what the growth of the business has been since you launched?
1: Sure, so I joined the company actually in two thousand and nine. It was a startup at the time It had twenty six locations, and you know the idea was to create kind of a spot environment in a retail shopping environment, and by you know lowering and and making it more affordable, making it more convenient really drive demand at the middle market, where you know spa services had not been greatly adopted, and so we set out to do that, kind of designed the model we've used franchising as the distribution system, and you know really have grown the franchise you know i think recruited a world class franchising team over the last eleven years, and where we find ourselves today um, with that growth is. We now have 475 pan and stone locations across 30 states in the U.S. and two provinces in Canada.
0: That's wonderful. So I want to talk about that that growth up to 475 units. You mentioned you've done it by franchising, and you've done it quite well with franchising. You were named number one in the spa category by Entrepreneur Magazine, top 10 by Forbes Best Franchises to Buy. What do you think has helped you stand apart in the world of franchising?
1: I think it really goes, you know, looking at our individual you know, industry, it's really about always keeping this core mission in the front and center, which is make it more affordable, make it more convenient, deliver a world-class customer experience. And when you create a successful underlying model by doing that, um, there are always entrepreneurs that will, you know, gravitate to successful models and help you grow through franchising. the The hard part is is you know refining and getting that underlying model the you know right. But the entrepreneur base will follow.
0: In talking about that entrepreneur base following, you've stood a, cr- a part in the spa industry as a whole because uh, you're competing on one end against a lot of local spa concepts and on the other end against other fellow national brands what do you think has made handed stone unique in that competitive landscape
1: you know where where we're unique is somewhat in the the uh, you know underlying box and the fact that we did massage skincare, and waxing all under one roof was unique the membership model was unique And then I think just having a more sophisticated marketing effort, a more consumer centric experience, all of the things that surround the underlying service that, you know, the service itself, doing a massage or doing a facial, a lot of folks can do that. But it's all of the other pieces around it that creates the actual experience, which is where hand stone differentiates itself.
0: So over the last 11 years, you've led the company from a few dozen locations, as you mentioned, to nearly 500 today. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned over those, uh, that tremendous growth?
1: I think the biggest lesson is you have to stay focused and true to you know, the core you know, underlying pinnings of the brand. And in our case, you know, that's convenience, affordability, and professionalism. So everything you do, you have to consider within that that lens. And you know, give you an example. We we've, we've obviously get pushed by franchisees and even consumers. Hey, why don't you add this service, or why don't you do nails or something else? And we we look at it within that lens and say, you know, for example, doing nails. Well, you know, that brings in chemicals. It creates it creates other challenges in the industry. You know, in the model. And we decided that that's not a good fit for us. You know, we have to stay kind of true to these three core objectives for the brand. And so, you know, I think that's the best way that we've kept the the business on track and and just continually to refine uh, within the model that we had developed.
0: So you mentioned the model really revolves around those three services, but you've also started to incorporate retail into the offering as well. What led to that being part of the business model, and how do you work with the franchisees on that revenue stream?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And it was a, a very thought through strategic initiative. You know, in kind of the 2010 timeframe, so early on in, in my leadership here, we really started to see a challenge in hiring massage therapists. And at the time, the business did not do facials. That that was not in the model. And we uh, investigated the skincare industry, facials, you know, really, you know, in depth and found that not only is there a great employee base there, which would help us reduce some of our risk of only relying on massage therapists, but it also opened up the business for a tremendous retail component. Which is to sell skincare product, and so almost all of the product that we're selling is related to the skincare services that we're performing. And when you know we launched skincare in 2010, obviously it was you know a, a, a new service for us. Today, between skincare services and product, that represents you know over 32 percent of. The annual revenue for the average franchisee, so it's really become a really important component of uh, you know the overall spa um, business.
0: So when you look at a lot of companies, um, you know that's kind of a unique model in that you know people usually want to be either a service business or they want to be a retail business, and they they're not blending revenue streams. Why do you think that diversification is such a useful thing for a business?
1: Well, in our business, it they create stickiness. They they want to you know not only they get a great service from an esthetician. An esthetician is a professional you know in skincare. The customer gets the right product, the right advice, and then you know because we use only several you know very narrow uh, lines of skincare product that are really geared to the professional market. the, the customer really has to return to the spa in order to continue up with with the regimen and that particular skincare line so it's it's really it helps the esthetician the customer gets a better result and it and it creates this you know return to the business either for another skincare treatment or just to repurchase the the retail product
0: one of the things you mentioned is you guys have stayed really core to who you are and you know being very careful about what new services that you add how do you evaluate if something is a new thing that you should explore versus something that maybe is a fad that you're going to pass on at the moment
1: that you know again that's a great question because we go through this all the time and we have launched a number of new services but they do fit always within these three core objectives and so that's that's the first test, right? Can it be done affordably? We always look what we look for are services that were typically launched at higher end spas that were geared towards kind mm-hmm. of the 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 you know the wealthy customer, and we try to figure out how can we bring that to the middle market right? So we're always examining can we bring it to the middle market with an affordable you know price point? You know, is it convenient? How much time does it take to do the service, and will it upend kind of this this pattern or this this that that we have, which is generally sixty minute services? So, and you know, what's the convenience factor, right? You know, um, can we? Is this a service we can have booked online? There's not too many moving components to it. You know, it's fairly easy to educate the consumer from a marketing end about what the service is and what the value is going to be. So, you know, we're always looking, you know, along those three things. And then we we have to attack the idea and the service and test it to make sure it really does work uh, within our system.
0: So you've talked about the the franchise model, and it's a unique one because it's a national brand but very much run by local entrepreneurs that are part of their their community. How, as a national brand, do you support those entrepreneurs and their individual communities?
1: The role of the franchisor is, you know, to really set kind of the the overall brand standards. And I, I can't think of any more important example as we've just went through with uh, with the COVID nineteen. You know, we between March fifteenth and April first, we closed either voluntarily or by state order all 475 locations. And now, as a franchisor, you know we had to really use our resources to develop what were going to be the standards when we reopen. How how are we going to need to change the model? How are we going to need to train, you know, estheticians and therapists on new sanitation, on new safety techniques? And all of this really needed to come from the national organization, from the franchisor, and then how are we going to police it and make sure it's being done down at the spa level? So, we, you know, all of that from the marketing of it, and, and we we own an in-house um, advertising agency that does all of the marketing for Hand in Stone franchisees to the training, which you know we have. In, in you know corporate you know corporate training uh, division to operations department, which is in the spas or doing virtual operations visits to make sure these standards are being implemented. So, you know, in all of those ways, you know, um, you have to continue to support the evolution of the individual unit as well as the brand as a whole.
0: Talent is a big part of predicting the turn. And as we talk about talent, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Hunt Club. Imagine the power of the best marketers in the world helping you to find your next marketing leader. That's the power of Hunt Club. Hunt Club is a new category of talent company that powers the network of experts, connectors, and business leaders to help you find the best talent. Let's face it, recruiting hasn't changed with the times. Hunt Club is changing the recruiting game by leveraging technology and crowdsource referrals to find you the best people possible for your company. Stop paying job boards that don't work or recruiting firms that recycle the same active candidates. Partner with Hunt Club. On that note of the, you know, closing the locations during COVID, up until, you know, COVID had hit, you guys had had 4 years in a row that you hadn't had a single franchise location close. What do you think is going to happen over the next 12 months as those 475 hopefully stay reopened?
1: Yeah, it is amazing to me. Quite frankly, when COVID hit, and if I when I was at March 15th or March 20th, I told my management team, let's be prepared that you know 25 to 50 locations will might never reopen and i will tell you they had a lot more confidence than i did and they said no that's that's not going to happen and as we sit today we only have one location in the entire system that is not reopened that could be reopened right now we do have 14 in california that just aren't permitted by the state government to reopen all of which we would believe will reopen but other than that we have one location you know, based on financial reasons that is not yet reopened and and we think will be, you know, resold to a new owner. So the resiliency of the brand, I have to say, too, that the availability of the PPP funds helped tremendously in our system. And so, you know, in my mind, we will have, you know, less than, Less than five, quite frankly, for sure that that don't reopen, and right now i'm I'm only dealing with one instance out of four seventy five
0: that's amazing that's that's the type of stories we want to hear in uh, today's world yeah so you know talking more about that you know what we're just coming out of, we're seeing industry after industry be remade uh, because of the moments of new habits, new behaviors. What do you think you're going to see with the the spa and massage industry coming out of the crisis in terms of changes?
1: I do think we're going to see changes. I'll I, I tell you one that we accelerated when this started, which is basically contactless or contact light experience around everything but the hands-on service. So for example, all of the intake forms all of the, the checkout process, you know, all of the membership management, all of that is now being done via electronic form, you know, digital forms. That was something we accelerated and basically have gotten rid of all of the paper inside the spas. That was not projected to happen until the end of 2020. And that was accelerated because of this. And I think it's something that you're going to see more of in the industry, we accelerated our online booking platform and the functionality there, again, so that consumers didn't have to call into the spa. Everything is booked, you know, is online. They can select the service, the provider, you know, really granular level customization. And I think, again, that'll be something that the industry adopts over the next couple of years. With regard to services, specifically, the trend that we saw, which I think will continue on the skincare side, is the implementation of device technology into skincare services. So things like um, hydroderm abrasion and LED photolight therapy. These services that use device technology to achieve an enhanced result the cost of the technology has has dropped significantly partly because we're able to go out and negotiate to buy you know 475 you know hydrodermabrasion machines obviously we're going to get a much better price than you know somebody buying one off and so we've been able to bring the cost of that technology down again that helps us lower the price to the consumer and um you know creates more demand at the at the middle market so i i do think you'll continue to see uh, more device technology on the skincare side as well
0: that makes sense so you've had a tremendous decade of growth uh, since you joined the company what do you see for the next decade for the business
1: i you know i do think and i've been in franchising for 30 years now and it is these uh, cycles have held up um you know very consistently and so what happens is when we have a recession when we have you know layoffs at the kind of upper middle market and executive level we see an increase in interest in owning franchises and you know kind of developing your own business so I do think we're going to over the next two to three years, and I think we are. You know, we're obviously just at the start of this kind of, you know, economic downturn and, and unemployment issues. I do think we're going to see an increase interest in entrepreneurship. I think also, you know, executives are maybe going to be concerned about travel over the next couple of years. People want to stay closer to home, own their own business. So on that side, I think we'll see an increase. I think we're going to see a decrease in the real estate costs that we're paying because i think you're going to see a number of you know open spaces in a lot of the shopping centers that we're going into and on the consumer side i think again you know and i was here right during the downturn you know from kind of the uh, the recession that we went through in 09 and and 10 as long as we can keep it affordable to the consumer and i think we can we're going to see a continued increase in our in our uh, you know comparable store sales because what happened at that time is people actually traded down to the model you know places like hand and stone and some of our competitors from higher end spas you know and so instead of spending you know $150 on the massage they could become a member at Hand in and Stone and, and pay $69 a month or $59 a month and get a massage every month. So, you know, I think we're going to be really well positioned over the next couple of years. We're, we're seeing consolidation in the industry already. We're seeing an uptick in the number of applications from massage therapists because probably maybe their employer is not coming back. So I think we're really, you know, well-positioned for the next, uh, you know, two to five years here. That's wonderful.
0: Well, I really appreciate you taking time to sit down. It's an amazing story of what has been built with hand and Stone and I think really inspiration for how businesses continue to thrive coming out of these turbulent times.
1: Yeah, well, I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about the company. We, great momentum. We're, you know, obviously excited to reopen and 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 uh, get back on track but you know we we've continued to reopen stores uh, to open new stores even um, you know during this time period so uh, you know I see good things ahead for for the brand
0: perfect well thank you again thanks Dave. thanks so much for listening if you like the show hit that rating and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode and for more resources head over to predictingtheturn.com